0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. It's a new week, and Orlando City have made a splash in the transfer market. Let's get excited. I'm Austin David. Here with me is Gavin Eubank. Brad Newton is on assignment, wherever he is. But we will be joined by him hopefully next week. Anyways, we recorded a show last weekend. We re basically went through the entire month from december to january 15th and of course the next day over the course of the next three days all the news happened and leading up into today as we're recording this on monday more things happened Mm -hmm. and throughout the rest of this week more things are going to happen so we figured hey let's let's go ahead and uh (laughs) run through all of this stuff
1: you know Orlando's season ended in what November Um, so between then and our last podcast it felt like there was almost no news regarding Orlando City bringing in new players there was the Cesar signing Um, but since that last episode it feels like all we can talk about is rumors of Orlando City bringing in players so exciting time exciting
0: time it looks like someone brought out the Fleetwood Mac album because rumors are flying oh god yeah so that's a niche yeah. one right there for you yeah
1: so niche that it doesn't even register for me
0: you're too young Gavin I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> not as oh, young as right. the guys out of Orlando City have been signing lately though oh yeah great transition first mm-hmm. off let's get mm-hmm. right into the big news Facundo Torres is now an Orlando City player, four-year contract through 2025 with a club option in 2026, signed as a young designated player, 21 years old, just legal to drink here in the U.S., and is currently with the Uruguayan national team. Well, uh, let me just read off Luis Muzi's quote from the press release. Facundo is a young player with a lot of potential and upside, and he is just beginning to make waves on the international stage. The danger that he creates on attack will be a real asset on the offensive end, and we're excited for him to step on the field in purple. And I think everyone is. Everyone who's been following the uh, trials and tribulations and the ups and downs of this transfer saga are pretty happy that it ended up happening, and Facundo Torres is now an Orlando City player. Yeah, you know,
1: Orlando's been down this road before in signing a young designated player out of South America, obviously in Josue Coman, and that was a deal in and of itself. You know, obviously when you bring in a designated player, there's there's hype and expectations around that, but this feels different. This feels like an impact signing, like not just an impact signing, but a real Major impact signing for Orlando City today, tomorrow, and well into the future. And I can't wait. Obviously, we have to adjust our expectations. He's 21 years old. He's practically a kid moving to a brand new country, a brand new league. We have seen that be the downfall of past young designated players for Orlando City. But this kid's got real raw potential. And he could not only be a force, but just somebody that lights the league by storm this season and beyond. And I I am excited to see what he can bring.
0: Yeah, I would also like to remind everyone that Carlos Rivas was a designated player from 2015 to 2017, also South American. So I don't know if that's a hit or a miss. He had very mixed moments, but for a designated player, definitely a miss Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of other kind of Central American, Brian Rochez, uh, was a designated player for Orlando from the first two years of his tenure and Orlando City's tenure in MLS. Uh, he did not work out, but uh, it turns out that all he needed to go do is go to Portugal, and he's absolutely killing it out there now. Um, I believe he's, he, he broke a record recently with his Club Nacional. Uh mm-hmm. he's he's uh the top scorer in the history of the club as of right now. Oh. Well, so,
1: you know. You, you like to hear it? You like listen, you know, I we, it certainly wouldn't be right to hold performances against a player because like I said, every setting, every culture impacts a player differently, but if he's in a place where he is feeling good, he's feeling comfortable, you love to see it.
0: Yep, 40 goals in 109 games for Nacional since 2017. Uh, as you mentioned, Josue Colman. Cerro Porteño, he, uh, he went back there on loan, scored two goals in 26 games through 2019 and 2020. He is now at a new club in Paraguay, uh, Club Guarani, and is uh, currently, well, they he's only played zero games there so far for them because he just signed, well, actually, he signed there last year in 2021, so I don't know how many games he's played to be completely honest. (laughs) Um, But he is uh, arguably a miss for Orlando City. Outside of that, there have been no real young designated players for this club, obviously Kaka being the most prominent, and who, before this signing, was the most expensive in MLS. And now it's just Facundo Torres is the most expensive in Orlando. So... Crazy yeah. how that all works out.
1: You know, it's funny. Yeah, you know, it's funny to think that five years ago, a seven and a half million dollar transfer fee um, would be eye popping for Major League Soccer, and now it's just the norm. You know, we're seeing players bought for twice mm-hmm. that amount, twice, triple mm-hmm. that amount. What was it? Um, um, Toronto, the guy that they just signed um, for what, fifteen million
0: dollars a year? It's oh, crazy! In, it's incredible. In Lorenzo Insigne. Yeah, Insigne. Insigne. They they
1: sign him for, what, 15 15 million or so a year. Um, But for Orlando City, 7.5 million is a big deal. And that's an astonishing number. And for the club that we are not used to seeing, and that's no slight against Flavio. We obviously were very well aware of his financial restrictions, but... This shows that the Wilfs are here to play, they're here to invest and they they are taking this seriously. And it's a big big first step for them um in their first off-season as owners.
0: Yeah. I think they they are very much setting a tone for this club and and mm-hmm. for the league saying, "Hey, we're here to play. We're not here to just invest and let it sit around. We are we are here to yeah, actually be active owners." so that's always good to see and, and there, there was obviously a lot of worry when it came to uh, what they would be like as owners because as things change hands as things inside the club change hands you don't know how things are going to go i mean when phil gave over to flavio there was worry that things would change and things did change um but again with okay. flavio And what he did, bringing the club to MLS, bringing Kaka to Orlando, and bringing them a bit of high-profile market in the first couple years of MLS, that was a necessary step. And every step that they've taken, uh, whether forwards or backwards, have been necessary in the club's growth to get them to the point where they are now. Uh, But it certainly looks like Mm -hmm. everything is going in the right direction for them. Time will tell if these young signings pay off. But it certainly looks promising and hopeful.
1: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this earlier when uh, I was kind of thinking about the comparison of the money that Flavio spent versus what the Wolves kind of have shown and what we expect them. And, you know, you mentioned all those things, you know, it, it, what, 65, $60 million for an MLS expansion fee, privately financing $150 million stadium. You're talking 21 to $25 million in salary for Kaká, another almost nine million dollars in salary for nani i mean and that's just those two players alone right you're talking tens of millions of dollars in investment hundreds of million dollars in investment from this team and i think as we get further away from that area of the club it'll kind of become more prevalent just how it feels almost like that that was just the foundational period of Orlando City. You know, there was the USL in preparing the club. Then there's the first five, six years in MLS at, you know under Flavio, building the foundation of this team, building a fan base, building a stadium, building somewhat of a history there, building, you know, bringing in these people. You have Ricardo Moreira and Luis Muzi and all these guys to kind of start setting that foundation. And now it's handed off to the Wilf family to really take that vision, take that structure that's there and to now take it to the next level within MLS and you know within the global soccer world, you know, at yep. some point.
0: But again, time will tell if things will work out. And also, yeah. time yeah. will tell if any more signings happen and rumors are that they are. So the most prevalent yeah. and it, rumor and, and sorry to cut you off there, but we got to we got to move on okay. to, to everything else that we got to get through um you know we'll mm-hmm. be talking about Torres a lot throughout the next couple weeks i'm sure but he doesn't get to the club probably till early february since he is with the uruguay national team
1: but as i said yeah i was just going to say that with all this money being spent it is worth mentioning that money does not translate to success but knowing the um talent the eyes for talent that they've had for the last couple of years. It certainly leads a promising belief that, that this could be something,
0: uh, Ricardo Marrera and Luis Muzi, as we mentioned in the last show, both got promotions and new job titles for the success that they were able to bring to the club on the field. And, uh, they don't look to be slowing down anytime soon. As I mentioned, there's more rumors abound. Erkan Kata, the Austrian, uh, National team player. He's played one game for them, but um, currently playing for Rapid Vienna in the Australia, uh, the Austrian National League. Um, according to a multitude of different sources, he is coming to MLS. However, the question is, what club will he come to? According to Manuel Veth, he is coming to Orlando as a designated player. He's, he's six foot four. He is a target striker. He has basically scored a goal every two games he's played in the Austrian Bundesliga. And he's, he's re- most recently made his debut with the Austrian national team back in March of 2021.
1: How exciting is it to think about Mauricio Pereira feeding this guy long balls into the box? Uh, Fagundo Torres feeding this guy crosses from the wing sylvester van der or whoever's playing over there this guy this this has the potential to be an impact signing and it was pointed out to me that his six foot two or his six mm-hmm. foot four he's he's got some height on on those atlanta united center backs <laughs> so uh that'll create some that that has the potential to create some interesting moments
0: in that rivalry yeah absolutely i mean it, you know from some film that i've seen he's good in the air which really like D- daryl DK was decent in the air but this guy's got a-, a few inches on him and
1: yeah which if you're six foot four you should be good in the air mm-hmm. like that's got to be th- your
0: trait you hone right. in but like if you take a look at um New England right they brought in Adam buxa and he is six foot three he's polish right and he he's He's like that kind of player, so if this guy in Cara can be Orlando's Adam Buxa, and the Fagundo Torres could be say like their Gustavo Bo or Carlos Gil, like that, that's that's, that's something. So what you're
1: saying is, Orlando City are going to win the Supporters Shield this year.
0: I am not saying that. <laughs> however new england uh may be losing matt turner their goalkeeper so hmm. hey maybe earl edwards will be their starter because he is on that team uh, what? anyway uh kata there's there's a multitude of, of sources that are saying yeah he's going to orlando or he's going to mls when that happens i do not know i uh, i've talked to a lot of people and no one's willing to commit about a timeline
1: Let's say the team, Rapid Vienna, has already confirmed that he has departed for MLS. Yep. The uh, destination was not announced. So he's he's on his way somewhere. He's shown up to a training ground near you, somewhere around the country, any day now, you would think. Yeah,
0: The other club that he was rumored to go to was, I believe, Philly. But it looks like Philly's mm-hmm. going to be signing another striker instead. So mm-hmm. it certainly seems that kata the destination it makes sense that he would come to orlando because again you have kata but you also have pato if he's healthy hmm.
1: Hmm. but yeah i mean that's you certainly don't want to risk all of your you put all your eggs in that basket though
0: no no no. but i'm saying if not bringing in a guy if you if you have kata and pato That's depth.
1: With fan favorite Tesho Akandali. Yes.
0: uh, Listen, Tesho may not be the most consistent scorer in in the world, uh, but I feel like over the last couple months, because he's done a lot of stuff off the field, um, he hosts Tesho Tuesdays, where he uh, hosts a Twitter space and talks to people about various different things. Uh, I feel like he's kind of become more of a fan favorite because of that and, and all the stuff that he does off the field. When when he gets on the field, if he starts uh, to be able to just do what he does, I think that's fine. Like the thing with Tesho Acendelli is, you know what he's about, you know what he is able to do, but for some reason people expect him to be more.
1: Yeah, he's a hard worker too. I mean, that's the thing is, right? He, he goes out there and he's, you know, he's obviously not the most talented player, and you can't fault a guy for that because a lot of times talent is just a God-given ability, but if you work hard enough, you get there, and he puts in the work, especially the work that is needed from Oscar Pereja to play the kind of soccer that Orlando wants to play. Absolutely. The problem is, you know, they you people complain about Tesho, well, who are, who are you going to put in there currently to do the job that needs to be done? Because Orlando doesn't have that, so. Well. You got to work with what you have. I mean, they have pato they had daryl dk to be fair pato well in theory they also had pato
0: last year but you know healthy yeah well you know i mean there's there's no guarantees that Mm. that anything will happen and 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 as macho man randy savage says
1: there's one guarantee in life and that there are no
0: guarantees yeah the wiser words have never been spoken
1: on this show. exactly exactly
0: i mean it is macho man of course Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so we mentioned Kata. we mentioned torres there's one more name that has been floating around the orlando city circles and it is gaston gonzalez another young player that i he is potential uh 20 years old argentinian currently playing in argentina in the first tier. He is a right winger, currently valued at about $2 million, give or take a few hundred thousand. And uh, there are definitely legs to this rumor. Whether the timeline is correct or not that I've heard remains to be seen. Uh, Because I've heard about three different timelines of when he may or may not come. I've heard he'll be here in May. I've heard he'll be here before preseason. I've heard he'll be here in the summer. I don't know which one is correct uh, because this is a very fluid situation, as it is always with signing players. But the kid's only been a full-on professional for less than two years, and he's 20 years old. So another young, promising talent. Whether he starts as a right-winger over Sylvester Wader is another story. But I think he is a very decent signing if it gets over the hill. Just in terms of the future of this club, to be able to develop him. Now, uh, Alexander Alvarado was another player that we, you could have said, hey, you know, th- this could be a very good young kid. But uh, as it turns out. He is back in Ecuador now. Uh, the club still hasn't announced that he's gone back to Ecuador, by the way. Um, but the Ecuadorian club that he went to, uh, they have, in fact, announced it already anyways. So we know he's going back to Ecuador. Uh, the The club announced that he's going back to Ecuador for, I believe, a one-year loan. Uh, that, That's it. They have an option to buy. That's the biggest thing. And I
1: think also... <clears throat> kind of forgotten out there is uh matthias Ayas, who is currently on loan until the end of june they could come back
0: <laughs> i thought he was in june of 2023 or something i thought it was uh, a two-year june year of
1: 2022 with an option to buy so
0: ah. probably gone th- yeah could come back could come back i don't know don't know why they would bring him back but well, I mean <laughs> yeah. if I feel like if he if he's not bought by them, he'll be sold to somebody else. Yeah. That is that is my thought process on it. Anyways, like I said, um Alexander Alvarado um he is currently in Quito doing his physical, so he's not in Orlando. He was in Orlando on Monday. I got a photo of him at training this past week. But he gone. So, that's it. And as you bring in, I mean, as he leaves, it opens up an international roster spot. So, uh, in steps Facundo Torres. Let's take it right up. Now you just have to have uh, two more international roster spots for the I'll two say. new players. The hope is, from Do- what I've heard, the hope is that a few players are getting their green cards, uh, which is why they are not in Orlando yet. Uh, so, I think Antonio Carlos is one of them. And they are in the midst of trying to get their green cards processed. So then they will open up roster spots, international roster spots, for the new players that are to come in.
1: I say it is going to be interesting if these moves come through. And they have Torres, Kara, and then maybe Gonzalez on the right. Mm-hmm. And you've got a front three of all new players, all players mm-hmm. that are brand new to America being how well-documented it is, how hard it is to adjust to Major League Soccer because of the travel, the physicality, the schedule, everything. Does it concern you a little bit, putting all, putting all of that weight into the international? Because I've also thought about it this way. I mean, obviously, most of these guys on the roster have been here long enough to acclimate themselves. But Giao Moutinho being a college graduate, or being a college player at one point, is the only player in the lineup in the starting lineup now from like uh, from America an american player obviously Jazz not american but you know like the, obviously not an international player correct isn't that interesting yes
0: yeah I, the, the, that's the way that's the way it, things does are does it going now
1: does feel too over reliant on that though
0: no, I think that's that's the way that world football is. If you look at any team, we'll see. The, like if if you look at like Man City in England. Like Raheem Sterling is the only English player that I can think of that actually starts in their lineup all the time. Is John Stones not English? He hasn't been starting recently though. Oh. Okay. I think he's hurt. That might be it. I was I was going to say like, mean... if if I was if I'm trying to remember they they got Zhao Cancelo, ruben diaz uh ederson and goal they got mares on the right yeah i mean like there's there's really no englishman in that lineup like maybe one or two
1: see john stones looks like he's back um but i mean i'm thinking about it when you look at like a team like new england obviously bruce arena being the head coach but he really relies on major league soccer players guys that know the league they know how to get victories in this league they know Mm -hmm. how to manage the workload that is asked of you and Orlando does not have a lot of that and that's a little concerning to me especially when you get into like the summer and obviously the weather and the schedule and all these things kind of start to collide together Mm -hmm. it can be a challenge when you don't have that experience of someone who's been there who knows well the thing um, is what's going on
0: that's the thing if you look at a lot of the players in this club now they have been there like a lot of these guys have had experience in the league now
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it it may not be the most extensive experience in the league because covid and such you know but Mm -hmm. juan's been here since 2019 robin jansen's been here since 2019 Uh, mauricio came in in mid 2019 benji signed in 2019 like a lot of these guys have had two two and a half years of experience now in the league, uh, where it may not be the the same as guys that are 10-year veterans, at least in the starting lineup. You still have guys that are like Tesho Akindeli, who's been in the league for a long time. Uh, As of right now, he's the longest-tenured MLS player on this team. Eh. Whereas that's not to say they may not be bringing more depth in because there's some free agents out there that they could try and snag in just as veteran pieces. But I think that at this point, I don't know if they need that.
1: Well, they need the depth, that's for sure.
0: They uh, Yeah. I'm just saying, <clears throat> they, I don't know if they necessarily need the MLS players' depth. Like, you know, guys and, that are I still mean, floating around know, as, as free agents kind of thing.
1: I, you know, I mean, that's, I think it's definitely more of a, uh, it can be a team by team thing, you know, what what works for one team and mm-hmm. you know, obviously this is a this is a, a growing league and it's a league that changes year by year. And you know, what major league soccer was last year might not be the same major league soccer that we see this year in, in terms of, you know, what is needed to be successful and it's it's something that's in the back of my mind and it's something that still gets talked about a lot, you know, especially obviously when it comes to like it's a big issue with coaches and general managers when you see teams like Cincinnati hiring people from outside of the league and then it's not going well. Like Charlotte hired uh, their their technical director and their head coach who don't have major league soccer experience. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out for them this year. Right. Um, at least with Orlando, they do have that at the top. So I guess that that could be the one thing that supplements not having that experience necessarily in the roster. So who knows?
0: Yeah. Well, again, MLS is is growing and you can mm. see the, the growth and it's growing, grown, growing, and more seductive than sex. <laughs>
1: Speaking of international, do you want to talk about uh an Orlando City domestic former domestic player that did go international, um, who made some news this week?
0: Would that be Daryl DK?
1: Um I was well that you could mention that, but I was... Uh, I know, I Kuhler. know who you're talking
0: about. Oh, okay, okay, I okay. figured we would probably just mention Daryl DK made his debut for West Brom and yes, promptly that is also big. got injured in his first actual yes. match that he started. So, unfortunate, hopefully he's not too banged up, but... So, the other guy you were mentioning, uh, Chris Mueller. He had some comments uh, about his time in Orlando. And this was, you know... at after he's gone obviously so the the thing with Chris is that I think everybody kind of knew that he really wasn't in Orlando when he was in Orlando at the end of the season like his mind was in Scotland and he made it official in an article on Edinburgh Live co.uk, where he said that he was desperate to join Hibbs as he left mls side on difficult terms um he said it was a very testing period in my time playing in terms of mentally having to be focused on what i had to do but also knowing i had things waiting for me in the future e- maybe even better things it was very hard just to stay present it's part of the game though things like this happen all the time and you just have to deal with it I was certainly desperate to get here. Hibbs tried trying to bring me over in the summer, which is what I wanted as well. And I made it clear to my old club that I wanted to go. But obviously, it doesn't always work like that. It was a tough six months. I learned a lot, not only about how cruel football can be, but also about myself. And he said, if I'm being honest, I did not leave there on as good terms as I had hoped. I felt like I had done a lot for the club and given them my all for them, which I was always, which I would always do day in and day out. I know that things weren't necessarily personal. They just thought they were doing the right thing. Now, I talked to Oscar Pereja yeah. about this, and I think I played a clip of my chat with Oscar towards the end of the season about this, about Chris. And to paraphrase what Oscar said, you know, because I asked him, like, how is it, tough is it to keep him mentally here? And Oscar's, you know, he, he kind of, didn't beat around the bush he's like well it's it's very tough you know this is this is football though and what oscar said he did is every day he'd go over to check on chris and be like hey can you what can you give me how how much can you give me mentally and physically you know because listen we got two more games left be be here for two more games we got a week left be here for a week just give me all you can and from what it sounds like uh chris did not uh, he he. Again, it is very hard when you know something is coming, and you're excited about that. But part of being a professional is giving hundred percent everywhere you go, and no matter the circumstances. Uh, it just this this was Chris's first big move, and uh, I think that's he he had to learn the tough way that, uh, these things happen in football.
1: He had to learn the tough way that contracts exist. And because you are in one, you can't just get out of it at will. Um, I mean, listen, like, I get it. And and we've known this since that he did this move, that he was excited about it. It was an opportunity he's always wanted. He's wanted to go to Europe. Obviously, you know, we were all skeptical about the destination and, and whatnot. But clearly he's not. He's not skeptical. His mind's there. That's where he wants to be. But like you said, you know, you're signing a pre-contract. And I'm sure he has to know that what that means is I'm not a player for this team today. I will be a player for this team down the road. But currently, I'm still with Orlando City. And it just seems clear, I mean, obviously that he wanted out. But if you're Orlando City, what leverage... Is there, you know, if you're Chris and Hips, what leverage do you have to make Orlando City do that? You know, they're in the middle of the season. He announced this what in the middle of July, so it was in the middle of the window, around the exact time that the Wilfs took over. So Orlando is not was not exactly in a position to just let go of one of their most important players and have no one to replace him with. For the most important part of the season in a season in which they've been dealing with injuries and, you know, call-ups and stuff that have kept the squad thin. So, to not understand why Orlando would not want to keep him, but also, like, Orlando wants to keep him. If I'm a player in that situation, it's like, yeah, I'm leaving and I'm, I know that they probably don't like that, but they still want me here to finish out this season for him, so I'm going to give them all I got. And it's it's been disappointing To see him go and he talks and now he's talking about how miserable he's been, how bad he wanted to get out, how he can't wait to be in a real football culture and stuff like that. And it's just like everything he says is completely undoing the years of goodwill that he had built upon himself between him and the fans and the club because he was a fan favorite. People loved Chris Mueller here and, you know, he was a guy that you could always count on to give 110% for the club and like you said it was very clear from the summer on that that was not happening that he was not in Orlando even when he was in Orlando and and, and so it's disappointing that he is now basically coming out and confirming that and listen if he tries to pull this stuff in in Europe in towns that are really passionate about their soccer clubs he's not gonna have an easy time so i i do hope that he learns from this experience and he uses it to better prepare himself for the next road bump that comes along because believe me he's gonna run into some down there if, if things don't go well and he finds himself you know he's the the manager that signed him is not there anymore so he's gotta he's gotta earn some favor in that squad right now no guarantees yep isn't that what macho man said
0: there are no guarantees that's one guarantee that's your yep. only guarantee in life and that that is n- there are no guarantees Hmm. well best of luck to chris nonetheless yeah
1: yeah best of luck uh,
0: we'll see how uh, everything plays out um last couple things from orlando city because then we got to move into the pride um rodrigo schlegel new contract served two-year contract with a club option for a third and fourth year. He's 24 years old. He has played very well in the times that he has been asked to play, uh, and he is good depth for this club. And, uh, mm-hmm. again, he's, he's you know part of one of the most memorable moments for Orlando City ever by stepping into goal and saving yeah. a penalty against New York.
1: Yeah, I like this era of Orlando City where there is longevity in the guys that they bring in, you know, especially in the the defense too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most important. What was it last year? We said that this was like the first year Orlando went into the season with starter with the two same center back starters. And now it's going to go into that third season with Jansen and Antonio Carlos, as you're presumably, you know, assuming that they're both healthy at the start of season, uh, your starters. And yeah, like you said, that continue, you know, that, uh, it's good, especially, in the defense, in one of the most important positions on the field. Yep. Continuity. That, there it is. That was the word I was looking for. Well,
0: let's just hope that the uh, first half of last year is the form that they come back in and not the second half of last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd rather... We've definitely... I think, you know, we said this last week uh, when, when Brad was on the show. It's definitely... I'm of the mindset of that this team... If they can be the 2020 version of themselves, that's that's a success for Orlando City. But we just don't know what the real Orlando City was. You know, mm-hmm. We don't have the sample size yet. You can be optimistic or you can be pessimistic based on how you view last season. But it's the same team for the most part. They're adding reinforcements. Let's see how this all works out in year three.
0: Well, the last thing I wanted to mention before I just talk about... The, you know first week of preseason in general because there's not much to talk about about that is that the U.S. men's national team are coming to Exploria Stadium March 27th to play Panama in the final game of World Cup qualifying. Last time that are you Orlando surprised that
1: they they announced one back.
0: No, not at all. I think that it would they were due for one to be honest. And the thing about Exploria Stadium is, well the us men's national team has been there before and they won there before in world cup qualifying back in 2017 so if history repeats itself orlando is a very nice home october 6 2017 back when they played panama and again playing panama what was
1: the last game there it was ecuador in 2019 yes
0: no no it wasn't ecuador was it was it was a uh, 4-1 win over Canada in 2019.
1: Okay, so they've been back... S- oh, no. Okay. They also... So they did play Ecuador, though. They,
0: no. Um, what was it? They, they beat Trinidad in 2021.
1: At Explorer? Yes. Oh, that's right. They hosted... The, that was closed door, though, right?
0: Um, I can't remember if it was or wasn't, to be completely honest. Maybe that's why I'm thinking. It was 7 nothing. You know, a lot of guys scored... Quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, October 6, 2017 was a 4-0 shutout win at Exploria Stadium. Christian Pulisic and Bobby Wood goal scorers as well as good old Josie Altidore, who's probably going to be looking for a club sometime soon.
1: World Cup qualifiers of this week, Thursday. You optimistic? You know what? So I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't really paid much attention or even cared about the national team that last like year and a half um but now that we are in 2022 the world cup year, i'm kind of getting excited they're, they're kind of getting me back i mm-hmm. think i'm gonna watch i think i'm gonna start watching the games now
0: well the thursday I might actually root for the americans <laughs> the thursday game is against el salvador and it's going mm-hmm. to be played at the new columbus crew stadium and then uh, the next game is Sunday against Canada at good old Tim Hortons Field, a.k.a. the Donut Box in Ontario. That's is that what they call that? <laughs> that's what they call it. It's Tim Hortons. Of course you're going to call it the Donut Box. Of course. Tim Bits. Have you ever had Tim Hortons? I have. It's delicious. I've been. I've been up to – Is it really? Yeah. So they used to have it in Minnesota uh but they closed down their okay. shops during the pandemic and i've been up to canada mm-hmm. as well in toronto and i've had them up there okay they're they're all right i mean it's 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 like they're dunkin donuts it's like they hype it up but it's yeah. it's it's coffee yeah. and donuts like i don't know how much more you need
1: yeah i listened to a podcast uh called block party and they it's uh, hosted by two canadians mm-hmm. so they talk about a lot of Canadian stuff, and then when they bring up Tim Hortons, they usually mention that it's just meh. Yeah,
0: it's overhyped, but yeah. it's good. Like it's, it's, it's what it sounds it's, like. It's good. It's Dunkin' Donuts for Canadians. Yeah, it's really all yeah, I, I like can like Dunkin' is. Donuts.
1: I know people. I know people. People don't prefer Dunkin' Donuts over like Starbucks and stuff. I prefer I, I like, prefer Dunkin' I like Donuts Dunkin'. over
0: Starbucks to be completely honest.
1: Yeah, I like their breakfast sandwiches. Yeah, good sweet tea. Get good, good sweet tea at
0: uh, Dunkin'.
1: Uh, Before we get too much, I don't much... know how we went on a tangent without Brad here, but we've managed it. So. It's
0: it, you know, it's part of the show. It's part of our charm. <laughs> That's fair. So let's wrap up with Orlando Pride stuff. Now, I do want to go ahead and very quickly preface something we talked about last week: the me official situation. Um we talked a little bit about why she didn't sign with the pride and everything, but I do want to clarify this after doing a bit of research and having some people talk to me about it. Um, basically the pride couldn't offer official any allocation money because she doesn't qualify for it as a rookie. So the most that they could have paid her was about $53,000. And that's just the way that the league is designed currently. And so Tigris came in and said, we'll pay you more than that, which is why me official ended up going to Tigris. And, again, you don't blame her. Tigris probably offered her, you know, maybe close to double the money. And yeah, no, I mean, th- there's there's nothing the Pride really could have done because that's the rules for rookies. Yeah. So,
1: you know, as an athlete, you're earning potential, especially as a women's soccer player. Your earning potential is capped at however long you can play. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, that's not a very long time. And in this game, it's not a very high amount of money. You got to get what you can get when you can get it.
0: Right. So I don't blame her. Don't blame her one bit. Yeah. And again, you know, as much as oh, I know you don't, but as much as I, I pay attention to both NWSL and MLS, there's still so many different minutia and mechanics of both leagues. We just don't understand or just don't know about because if they don't happen on a regular basis, you don't hear about them. And when you do hear about them, you don't know about them because nobody ever talks about them. So it's very, you know, it can be very difficult sometimes for certain situations that come about to be completely uh, understood. So
1: I can't believe that you would look the Orlando Soccer Show's NWSL expert in the eye. say that i don't pay attention to the NWSL. so offensive
0: well didn't you admit that last week i don't recall Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right we so uh one of the things we did tease in the last show was some big news coming for the orlando pride coaching staff and within a couple days of the show dropping the news dropped as well and yes it is quite big michelle Akers. Arguably one of the best, if not the best, women's soccer player in the history of a women's soccer is now the assistant coach for the Orlando Pride. How about that?
1: Yeah. um, So you teased this to me a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and I eventually guessed who it was, and I was very surprised considering that, A, it's out of left field, um, and B, she has been out of the game of soccer for quite some time.
0: Gavin. Especially Gavin. Gavin,
1: having never coached. Please, Ugh.
0: please swallow your food. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: why I didn't talk to you. Uh, uh, I, yeah,
0: I, 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 I realized that. All right, let me take over here. Michelle Akers, crazy thing about Michelle is that she will now be coaching on the field that is dedicated to her. If you didn't know, Sylvan Lake Park has a historic marker For Michelle Akers. And it reads, leading scorer in Women's World Cup history with 12 goals. Michelle is a resident of Oviedo, Florida, who trained at Sylvan Lake Park. Member of the gold medal winning U.S. women's national team in the 1996 Olympic Games. And the silver medal winning team at the 2000 Olympic Games. In 2000, named Women's Player of the Century by the World Soccer Governing Body Federation Internationale de Football Association. And now... Every single day she goes to training. She will walk past this historic marker to coach the Orlando Pride. How crazy is that?
1: Yeah, I I'm trying to imagine how I would feel in that scenario and like I don't I don't like the spotlight on me and it, maybe this would be different if I was like one of the best professional athletes of all time.
0: Mm. But she's I feel a little awkward. She's been out of the spotlight for a, a number of years you know she's been doing her thing with her her horses i mean heck a couple yeah. weeks ago she was going ready getting ready to move to bend oregon with her horses and then all of a sudden amanda cromwell calls and says hey i want you on my staff that, that's an opportunity that you, you can't really turn down and the crazy thing is i mentioned in the last show when we were teasing it that michelle acres was somebody very closely associated with amanda cromwell And that's because not only did they play together in the women's national team, but they also were coach and assistant at UCF. Now, Michelle Akers obviously played at UCF and put UCF on the map in terms of women's soccer back in the 80s and early 90s. But she also was a volunteer assistant coach under Cromwell when she was coaching there in the late 90s to, well, late, late, late 90s to 2000s up until 2013. So, uh, very connected. And the rest of the coaching staff, well, the other assistant coach that was new, is also connected to Amanda Cromwell. That is Sam Green, who was the first assistant and will be the first assistant for Cromwell in Orlando. She was the first assistant at UCLA. They've got history together, and um, she was a a graduate of Northwestern, uh, joined the coaching staff. Uh, with Cromwell in 2013, was there for their national championship run, uh, multiple Pac-12 titles, Final Four appearances, etc. So she knows Cromwell in and out in terms of coaching. The other coach that they did announce, he's been here for a long period of time. He's actually the only assistant coach to have served under every head coach of the Orlando Pride thus far. And that's Tom Cermani, uh, Mark Skinner, and Becky Burley and now Amanda Cromwell, it is Seb Hines, former Orlando City defender. The headmaster Hines continues to be a part of the Orlando pride organization. Uh, every player that I've talked to about Seb, they get rave reviews. He's got professional experience. He hops into training and, and plays with the team and, and is able to give real world experience and, and advice, uh, pull from playing professionally in England as well as in MLS, uh, to these players. And, um, yeah, he's, he's been around. <laughs> he's been around this club since the very beginning. Since Orlando City joined MLS, he's basically been around Orlando. So it's nice to have somebody who's continuing to be within the club to remain with the club.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's cool. And it kind of, you know, and it's definitely not a, something that's unheard of when you look around clubs in the world. I mean, you've got guys like... Uh, Look at Everton, Duncan Ferguson, the guy who is the uh, caretaker currently at the moment. He's a guy who's been with the club forever. He's, yeah. This is not even his first time being the caretaker for Everton because he's been there for so long. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh with uh, Manchester United was obviously there a long time before he eventually got his chance. You know, That's not to say that Seb might one day be the head coach of Orlando. He could very well be. But I do think it's kind of cool when uh, guys like that you know, stay on through multiple regime changes and are just always like a constant part of the club and you know keeps them grounded in one way or the other and you know good for sepp he's a very very nice very likable guy too and you know someone that was always a, a a good person to talk to during his playing days yep
0: absolutely now um there is still one position missing for the orlando pride coaching staff and that is the goalkeeper coach Uh, I can't say too much about who it's going to be. I do know who it's going to be, but I can't actually say who it's going to be. The thing that I can tell you is that the reason they haven't joined the club is A, they haven't gotten, uh, work permits and visas sorted and B, uh, they haven't retired yet. So there's your, there's your little bit of tease, if you will, who the, uh, goalkeeper coach is going to be or who I've heard it's going to be at the very least. So uh, exciting times for the pride. All they need to do now is sign players uh, because all they've done is so far is (laughs) say they got to have someone to coach. (laughs) They've traded players away. Um, The most recent acquisition or shall I say? Yeah. uh, No, they, 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 the most recent acquisition was they acquired $125,000 in allocation money and a 2024 draft pick from the San Diego wave. uh, But, they did trade away Emily Van Eggman's rights as well as Taylor Korniak uh to the uh expansion side. So Korniak, third overall pick in the 2020 draft, highest draft pick in Pride history, tallest player in MWSL, uh, but just uh just didn't work. Didn't seem to work. And uh very unfortunate that they were unable to keep her around, but uh, interesting note that the press release mentioned that it was the rights to Taylor Corniak that they were trading, not actually Taylor Corniak. So that means that San Diego actually still has to sign Taylor Corniak to a contract rather than uh, you know just trading her away because that that needs to be done. So there's still a possibility that Taylor Corniak may not be in NWSL this year. And it could be that the pride knew that and said, "Right, let's get something for her." Same with Emily Van Egmond. You know, she's she's playing in Australia right now. Um, she, she, you know, she was kind of barely in Orlando, anyways. After her, you know, first stint, she came back for like two games, played, and is gone again. So not not too much lost in that respect, and you gain one hundred twenty five thousand dollars out of it, and a draft pick. So. Not the worst thing that could happen, but uh, the Pride need to start doing some moves to bring players in, uh, because right now they are a bit thin in certain positions. They have lost more players than they've brought in, and um, needless to say, there is work cut out for Amanda Cromwell and her coaching staff.
1: When is, do they have a report date? I forget. On the end of preseason?
0: I don't know, actually uh mainly because the nwsl players won't report to preseason without a cba in place uh according february to meg yeah according to meg Linahan, uh by february 1st the league will now need to actually have a cba in place uh if they cannot strike a deal up until that point then that would mark the first cba related work stoppage since the players association and league began negotiations back in 2020 Yes. so it sounds
1: like they have most of the um core items agreed upon but there's still a little bit more work to be done and i feel like that so we'll see. that that Hawk's is sticking.
0: yeah that is very it's remedied if nwsl's the higher ups are willing to you know not have a work stoppage because well let's just say that the leagues uh they're they're not in a good not spot right now. Not taking it seriously. <laughs> I don't know if they're not taking it seriously. I think they, it, it's, it's that they, the, the reputation of the league right now is not very good, uh, mainly because of well, all the I, other well, stuff that's going on.
1: Right. But um, as far as that um, work stoppage pertains, let me pull up. So I think in that uh, that story, um, Steph Yang or Meg Linehan, whoever wrote it, they did note that NWSL owners themselves do not appear to be taking this um, seriously they'll jump on calls to do um, to do negotiations and they'll be like maybe two owners present mm-hmm. so so it's not um, you know <laughs> like you said it, it's well documented the problems that have been going on at the top of the nwsl over the last couple of years and the shocking thing is that it just does not seem, not only does it not seem to be getting better, it doesn't seem like the league is really trying to make it better. So there is going to be uh, some sort of reckoning that has to come out of this if we get to a point where the players are not showing up to work because of this.
0: hmm Yeah, there is uh, there's a lot of work to do, but hopefully it, it does work out. Mm-hmm. Right, so with that, I think we're we're all caught up on things, at least that we know of. Uh, preseason continues for Orlando City. Uh, they don't have any upcoming preseason scrimmages, at least this week. Uh, I'll be talking with Oscar Pereja and Mauricio Pereira by the time this comes out. So uh, look for that on social media. But until then, I think we'll call it a day. So for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David saying thanks for tuning in to another edition of the orlando soccer show we will be back next week most likely thanks for tuning in we'll see you later bye-bye you're dirty brown water trash and you're always going to be dirty brown
1: water trash